On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we covered a bunch of shenanigans within lyrics in the search engine results pages. We talked about some amazing new technology coming out of Pinterest. Jess talked about silver linings, Bradley Cooper, and that one Jennifer who quit Hollywood. And real estate nerds get ready because Greg ranted and raved about Google's new mortgage calculator. I'm still heated about that. (laughs) All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on June 21st, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. If you want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. First up this week is a genius account of the (laughs) website Genius who had accused Google of lifting its content. And the content in question were song lyrics. And the story came from the Wall Street Journal. And Genius literally caught Google red-handed, at least with the (laughs) message that they embedded within Morse code. And so, as you may know, there's two different types of of quotations that occur on the web and, and just in general characters. And so Genius had asked Google before to not scrape the lyrics from Genius. They wanted Google to not pull that in to the search re- search results pages. So Genius had a inkling that Google was still continuing to take their lyrics. So they changed some apostrophes and spelled out the term red-handed so that when they saw these different markings in the search results pages, they could confirm that these did in fact come from them. It was kind of this watermarking, they called it. How did they... So they spelled out red-handed using Morse code with what, the different types of apostrophes, right? Like the correct. curly ones versus the straight ones. Yes, correct. Okay. That's so smart. Genius came out with a post saying that over the last two years, we've shown Google irrefutable evidence again and again that they are displaying lyrics copied from Genius. What happened after that is a huge blowout <laughs> where Google is getting their lyrics from from different providers outside of Genius. And so it appears that there is a different lyrics provider, Lyric Find, specifically in this case, that had somehow gotten Genius's lyrics by scraping or whatever they did to pull that Morse code in and then give it to Google, and Google had paid Lyrics Find. Either way, oh. Genius lyrics are still making it into Google, obviously, so this is a problem. Yeah, somebody's stealing their lyrics. Doesn't matter who. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Justin. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> so Lyrics Find came out and said the... Had some weird, weird wording where they talked about the fact that because it's such a small amount, it's not that big of a deal. Was kind of what they were making it out as. But they did admit that there were the genius lyrics in Lyric Find. So then, Google came out and said, "We do not crawl or scrape websites to source these lyrics. These lyrics that you see in information boxes on search come directly from lyrics content providers, and they're updated automatically as we receive new lyrics and corrections on a regular basis." So Genius Lyrics were scraped by Lyric Find. Yes. Lyric Find accepts money from Google to provide the lyrics 
and then Google showcases the scraped lyrics on their search engine results pages. Now, what makes this even trickier <laughs> is that Genius used to be called Rap Genius. And back in the day, about five years ago or so, Rap Genius had a massive penalty forced on them by Google for doing some inappropriate things, mainly in the link side of it, where they were not following you know, terms of service. So Google hammered them with a penalty. And so now Google is saying, we're now going to start showing where we get that information from, which they haven't done before. That's good. Which I love. Yeah. Like, hey, if you didn't actually make this content, good. Show me where you got it from. Thank you. Like, yeah. Because you would think that Google is the source of all this information, and it turns out they're not. They're syndicating it from somebody else, and that's important to know and where it came from. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's completed at least up to the sixth grade knows that you cite your sources, right? This exactly. is not a new concept. Um, so then I saw on Instagram on Wednesday that Glenn Gabe had found the citations being shown, and the citations still show lyric find. Um... This wouldn't be such a hypocritical move. <laughs> If it wasn't for the fact that Google hammered Rap Genius back in the day, and now Rap Genius is the one, or Genius now is the one with the stolen content, and Google is not only paying people that are admitting to ripping off the lyrics, but they're now showcasing them <laughs> as well and not doing anything about it. That's so bad. I mean, this is just really bad. Yeah. Really, it, really bad. Naughty on so many levels. And now also there's a link with that citation too. So I'd imagine that Lyrics Find is probably getting some extra exposure as well now. So it's crazy. The one shining element that can come out of all this is the citations. Yeah. Sure. Because if you are somebody that's providing that data to Google, this is a huge step up where you're going to get more visibility possibly more traffic, and possibly more business because now Google's going to be showing, hey, we got this score data from the source or something else like that. Interesting overall, but it's the fact that, you know, there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on and it's it's not a, little bit. a lot of bits <laughs> of hypocrisy going on. I like that you found the silver lining in that though. We got at least a step in a positive direction in one way. I'm a silver lining kind of guy. Yeah. Did you ever see that film, Silver Linings Playbook? Oh, with... Bradley Cooper? Yeah. And uh, what's her face? My favorite person in the world whose name I can never remember. Jennifer Aniston. No, close. Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Right? Okay. Jennifer Lawrence. One of the Jennifers. They're all her. related somehow. I think so. I, I read on a magazine, on a magazine, on the cover of a magazine that she quit Hollywood for love. I didn't pick it up and read the article. I don't know if it's how true. Do, how could you not pick that up? Well, I was at the doctor's office and it was like all the way over there and it was probably Jeremy. And I was like, I'll just take that for what it's worth. I'm okay. sure it's true. <laughs> sure. It's gotta be true. Also, I don't think she quit. She's in a lot of movies, isn't she? Yeah. Right. I, I feel like I should have looked into it. It was probably a nice twist. Okay. Anyway, um, onto something that's way less controversial, but super cool and ambitious and honestly impressive was an announcement that came from Pinterest this week. And they're introducing what they call complete the look a scene-based complementary recommendation system. And to describe it a little bit using their words, because it's pretty good, it leverages rich scene context to recommend visually compatible results in fashion and home decor pins. So it's pretty cool. It's not like a not like a shoppable thing where you see the image and you can just buy everything in it. It's even more impressive than that. It's like you see a picture of a lady in a dress and you're like, oh, what shoes would go with that? And Pinterest can then find shoes, product images elsewhere outside of this image of this lady in this dress 
and find shoes that go with it. And I know that that sounds like a crazy girly thing, but it's really cool technology. Yeah. And you know what I immediately thought of is what if, so there's this machine learning out there mm-hmm. that's going and trying to find different items that go with that look. Yes. What if some of that machine learning just has horrible taste? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we've got the good taste machine learning and we it's got this nice sun bonnet and we've got this other <laughs> sun bonnet. You stop right there. <laughs> what? I don't know anything about fashion. <laughs> so, okay. What is it? A sun, sun hat? I just don't know if bonnets are a thing people wear above age like four. But anyway, go on. <laughs> okay. So the good machine learning has this nice sun hat that matches his outfit. And then there's this bad machine learning. It's like, let's go for a wild ride here. We've got just a hockey helmet to go with this. I, I, I That's what I think. And it reminds me of the time where Hope here, our resident fashion expert and sound engineer, had talked to me about an outfit that I put together. I was wearing a yellow shirt, nice checkered yellow shirt. And it was a little bit cold here in the office, so I put on a, a maroon vest. And she looked at me and started laughing and said, you look like ketchup and mustard. <laughs> so my hope is that the machine learning doesn't take fashion advice from me, but it's actually like good machine learning. And then how do you teach machine learning how to have good sense of fashion? That's such a random thing. It's pretty random, but I think it's cool. And again, this could go any way you want it to. They did say that they're going to base it on even like different contexts, like seasonality or like the body type of the person, which is a little bit judgy maybe, but I, I think they're really trying is my point to come up with relevant recommendations. Again, taste is subjective, but I did see in the example they gave, they showed the dress and then they showed three different types of shoes and like one I thought was cute another one somebody else might so they're giving you options which is nice they also are um, working on this with home decor so if you see like a couch you want to find some throw pillows to match it it's not just fashion it's yeah and I cool. like it too because you, you can kind of see how this is going to play out where right now it's just very basic and then down the road it's going to look at the things that you've liked your different collections of you know mm-hmm. different pins you've got and take that data from those boards and say well, we don't just have this general recommendation now. We've got what's recommended for you specifically, yeah. and it's going to be cool. And then once you mix ads in there, it's going to be fire. So I really like that. Yeah, I love it. I think it's one of the coolest things Pinterest has done, and it's a very Pinteresty thing to do. It makes total sense for the platform. I think it's a really smart move. And if you're interested in how it works on a technical basis, if you read the article in the show notes, it actually dives into some of that and how that actually works. So if you're interested in that side of it, definitely check it out. All right. Keeping it technical here. Hmm. Last year, we got Portal. Last week, we graciously received Study. And this week, Facebook has a new product that we didn't know we needed, Libra. (laughs) And Libra is Facebook's new cryptocurrency. It's a little bit of a misnomer because Facebook doesn't own it. They've kind of, they're the drivers behind it. But it is a way that you're going to be able to buy things or send money to people with almost zero fees and almost zero, <laughs> almost zero. Okay. A non-zero, but pretty close. Mm. And it comes with Facebook's wallet called Calibra or Ka Libra. Ka Libra. Ka Libra. Does that sound like an Egyptian God to you or something? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't yeah, sound like a wallet. It's very strange that you've got this Libra that Facebook spearheaded. There's 28 current people on the part of the Ka Libra association there's the calibra wallet now it sounds like a cult (laughs) the more you talk about it the less i like it anyway anyway that subsidiary company calibra 
handles crypto dealings and protects users' privacy by never mingling the Libra payments with your Facebook data so it can't be used with ad targeting. It's really Calibra, but I'm just going with Calibra. Well, there's a hyphen in there, so I, I see put why the you're... in there. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, there are 28 soon-to-be founding members of the Calibra Association, and their industries are pretty varied. There's folks from MasterCard, PayPal, Stripe, Visa, eBay, Facebook, obviously, Lyft, mm-hmm. Uber, and then some other nonprofits like Kiva and Mercy Corps. So another interesting facet of Libra is that it is backed by cash or assets. So it is a stable coin, as they call it, <laughs> those young whippersnappers. And there's always 100% of the value of the Libra in circulation based off of those real-world assets in the Libra reserve. Okay. Additionally, the blockchain that it's running on is very blocky and very chainy. A lot of technology. <laughs> so, Jess, what are your thoughts on Libra? Well, um, <laughs> you a big blockchain butt over I'm there. A, or what? I, blockchain's my favorite topic. I love it so much. I understand it completely. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't realize that this was actually backed by cash, which correct me if I'm wrong, but that's not the case with most cryptocurrencies, right? They're backed by like crypto kitties or whatever those fictional <laughs> Pokemon are that you can buy on the internet. <laughs> it's all different. There are some stable coins. There's a lot of there are. Uh, very improper reporting typically. Gotcha. Well, I, I like the idea of a stable coin. I think as someone that's completely novice in this, I don't know. I know as much about it as I know about like Libra's the horoscope thing, which is like zero. What's, what's your sign? Do you even know what your sign is? I don't because they changed it a while back. Oh. I'm late January. So I used to be Aquarius and now I think I'm like a Taurus or something. I don't think you're a Taurus. I think Taurus is May. Okay. Well, that's I'm the not only one that I, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know. I got changed and then I gave up. <laughs> that's when you gave up. You totally yeah. cared about it. I, before. I, I figured I was a Aquarius and then I wasn't. And it's like, what is anything anymore? That's I give true. up on this whole system. They got to change. How can you just song? change me halfway through my life? Yeah. I mean, a- hopefully less than halfway through my life or more than halfway through yeah, my life. Really? Hopefully. Cause you're, you're still young, but it's the dawning of the age of whatever comes after Aquarius now. I yeah. don't know. Capricorn. Man. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Somebody, somebody knows the answer out there that's they'll look it up, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Do you actually have any? Yes. Okay. I love this. <laughs> you I do? actually do. You love something from Facebook. I love this. Okay. And there's a reason why, because currently you see Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these things that are supposed to be made to be these currencies and not as investments. And they're just a bunch of weirdos and hoarding <laughs> it and using it to just hopefully make more money off of it. But if this is actually something you can make transactions on and you can say, I'm going to pay for this product on Instagram quickly and easily without the merchant paying big fees and just being able to to transfer money from people in different countries really easily. This is actually a really great idea, I think. And then the thing that could be problematic about it is, well, what if you're starting to use Libra to run ads? And ads are this amount of Libra for this. How do you say, well, the dollars went to Libra and Libra fluctuated around? But I mean, I think the overall thought of this is the only thing that I've ever heard in cryptocurrency that makes sense to me because you could actually use it. When's the last time you ever bought a taco with Bitcoin? <laughs> Zero. I don't Never. think anybody has. Never. And, and with this, it, it actually seems like a way people are going to be able to use it as currency and hopefully not as some sort of investment. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, let's wrap up our main news here with a question. 
how much of Google search traffic is left for anyone but themselves. And that is the hard question that Rand Fishkin over at SparkToro asked this week. And he worked with the folks at JumpShot to find some answers. Greg, do you have a guess how much search traffic is going to non Google. How much Google search traffic? So I purposely didn't read this. Good. But my thought process is it's definitely more than 50 and definitely under 75%. And I'm going to go with, let's say, 65% of the traffic is left for everybody else. (laughs) 45% is the answer. And that means that 55% of searches that are happening on Google either result in a click to a Google property or to know where at all they stay on Google. So only 45% of that traffic is left to folks other than Google. Okay. So they, they that also includes people that stay on Google and maybe get their answers with the information box like we talked about with the lyrics earlier. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. So of the people or the results that are non-Google or not zero click, 41% of those are organic. So those results, again, included paid and organic, but the majority of them is organic still, even though we've seen paid kind of taken over the SERPs lately. So an astounding 49% of that 55% of the Google property traffic is is the stuff that's going nowhere. Those search results that are okay. just being served up, they call them zero-click search results, like the lyrics that we talked about or anything else that's just showing up there in Google and then people don't click anywhere. So that's terrifying. The rest goes to Google and properties like YouTube, Waze, Maps, etc., a whole bunch of stuff. So it's pretty interesting. Again, I would recommend diving into this article on your own because there's a lot to unpack here. But he goes, he being Rand, goes through... Um, trends over the years. I think he looked as far back as 2016 and clicks to Google owned properties have actually been on the decline in 2017. So even though there is this large or since 2017, so even though there's this large number of search results going to those clicks, it's not like that's growing. That's actually on the decline. Creeping upward though is the percentage of those zero click searches. So Google's displaying a lot more results to people that they are satisfied by and they're just not clicking anywhere. I feel like the only thing we've really been talking about Google-wise on the show lately is, you know, Google becoming the internet and just taking everybody's results and displaying them and, you know, that and and reporting bugs. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, but I don't know. It's it's kind of depressing when you look at the stats. The nice thing that I appreciate that Rand did here at the end was he tried to find the silver lining like you did with the lyrics and and give people hope. He's a J-Law fan too? He he must be. (laughs) He's really into Bradley Cooper. Um, and you know, he talked about several things and how there's still opportunity. SEO isn't dead. Um, of course, part of what he said was that we have the opportunity as, as, <laughs> as content creators to influence people using the content that's created into these zero click searches. But influence is great. I still want that traffic to my site. So I feel like he's being really optimistic here, but I appreciate that. Okay. If you don't want to hear a silver lining <laughs> take on this, there was a really good podcast I listened to the other day. It was one of the 100th episode podcasts for Business of Digital with Matt Siltala and Dave Rohr. And they talked to Greg Bozer and it was not that much of a rosy <laughs> outlook. So if you want that, we'll throw it in the show notes mm-hmm. and you can hear some old search curmudgeons talking about how this isn't the case. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that does it for this week's news. And now it's time for this week's Take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. And on Twitter, the wonderful Michelle Morgan from Clicks Marketing. And she said, hot sales tip, following up your cold, irrelevant sales email 
with a firmly worded one about how I'm failing at my job if I don't use your software is ill-advised. Hmm. Now, that's not the take. Here comes the take from multiple take of the week winner, <laughs> Pamela Lund, <laughs> at Pamela underscore Lund on Twitter. She said, they should take a cue from Google and copy all of your clients <laughs> so they know what a failure you are. And for any advertiser or agency running in Google Ads account for their clients, once a year, hopefully that's the minimum you get, <laughs> there's a Google Ads rep that won't contact you, they'll contact your client and say, we've got all this great information on how we can optimize your account. Let us come help do this. Hear all the different things you're, you're missing out on right behind your back. Oh yeah. Then you have to have this conversation with the client. They have to say, well, what's going on? You have to set up this call with Google and they give you the worst recommendations on the planet, on the planet, Jess. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but I'm incensed about this. I feel Pamela's rage and once we had a client where we were doing tourism in Times Square. Times Hacking Square, Jess. <laughs> we were running ads on mobile devices to try to drive people to the location. Mm -hmm. I remember this like it was yesterday. The client got all fired up because Google said the account needs to be optimized. We got on the call with the Google Ads account rep. Their recommendation. Hand to God, Jess. You can, you can confirm this. I can was to exclude the Manhattan zip code. <laughs> I mean, I knew what you were going to say, and it's still funny. Why? That makes no sense. But the insane part is that they had this recommendation apparently stored up, talked to the client saying they have got all these different ways to optimize. The account's not running poorly. The account is running poorly, rather. And we've got these ideas. And that they can do better than the agency. And then that's what they drop. Hey, your number one spot, exclude it. That's Get out of here. Horrible. So, thanks, Pamela. You, uh, <laughs> you harnessed my, my feelings entire, entirely. All right. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. I cover everything to do with advertising, AKA paid, and Greg covers the organic or non-paid. So here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, Google tests showing weekly site visits in an automated ad extension. So as of now, there's not a lot of further detail about it. Google quote, doesn't have anything specific to announce right now. I feel like they say that a lot when people spot things, but I feel like that's an automated response. Oh, certainly no one speaks that way. They just turn automated responses onto their PR team. <laughs> hey, I got a, Hey Google, I've got a question about automated ad extensions. Okay. Here's an automated response. No I mean, response. We just talked about what real humans suggest over at Google, so maybe it's better they leave this to the robot. <laughs> so shout out to at Kirsty TC underscore Lou from Co Marketing who spotted this. Uh basically it's an ad extension with a little person icon in it. And then it says a rough number of weekly visitors. And this shows up ahead of the description text in the ad. So head over to the show notes if you want to see a screenshot of what that looks like. But I have a lot of questions to ask. I'm sure you probably do with this too. And again, Google has no information, but like, where does this data come from? Is there a certain threshold in order for it to show up? Are all searches and sites eligible for this? No information. So being as blind as I am about it, hot take, I don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't want any automated ad extensions. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah. In case you couldn't tell, I don't need more intervention in my life from Google ads. 
No, thank you. No. As you heard last week, go listen to Take of the Week last week. It was from our very own Sarah Burke <laughs> saying that Google Ads is slowly becoming Google Ads Express, and I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't want it. Exactly. It's automated, which we don't like it just for that, but it's also like this isn't a popularity contest. I don't care how many people came to your site. Maybe you show me how many people bought a product I might be searching for. But again, I still want the ability to turn that on and control that myself. So this is garbage. It's pretty useless. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> Get rid of it. Speaking of useless, something that's not useless are price extensions and and for those of you that are running them on Microsoft Ads, you'll be happy to know they're now supported in Microsoft Advertising Editor. So you can edit them in bulk. Thanks, Microsoft. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yay. Back to Google. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, do you ever watch live streams on YouTube? Sometimes. <laughs> oh, my God, you do? Only when it's some sporting event that I might be looking for that I don't have. That might be shown completely legal way, Jess. Of in a completely legal way. Of That's course. the only time I don't You're, watch yeah. people doing things live. So if you were on like a website reading about something and you know, a, a live stream just started auto playing in an ad slot, that wouldn't prompt you to watch more live streams on YouTube? No. Hot take. I don't <laughs> like anything live. Anything? Well, live video. You see all this live video everywhere on social? Yeah. It's all garbage. Oh, it is. I know. You love to hate it. You talk about it all the it's time. It's garbage. You know what's better? <laughs> Editing. Editing's hey, good. Secret. We edit this show because we mess up. <laughs> People mess up when they're live. It's gotten better since we edited this. It, much, much. Well, it, just in case you are on, on the live <laughs> streaming side of things and, and you want to advertise that, it's possible. Right now it's just a limited beta program, but probably going to go wider if this goes well. Google is opening up its display inventory to live streams. So you take a display ad unit and your live U YouTube can show up there. And again, this is according to Search Engine Journal. If you had to be like, hey, what is one ad type that you don't want ever? <laughs> is I want to see me live on somebody else's site, driving them to me live. No. Never. No. There's a lot of smart ways to promote an upcoming live event. I feel like that's, you know, be a little proactive. Don't wait till you're live and then hope people see it. Anyway, that's happening. Um, more from Google. This was spotted by at Stephen Johns 21 on the Twitter. He noted you can now save products that you like from Google shopping into collections. So Greg, I know you're a big lover of Google shopping. You're going to use this. <laughs> I just have a problem with the naming convention of everything I that know. Google does. I know. Because if you're using the Google search app or if you're just searching on an Android phone, you can make your own collections. Yep. And you can put that in there. But then you can't get to there from the Chrome browser on mobile. You only get to something called bookmarks. So to me, this whole thing is just way too disjointed. And you know what I never am going to want ever is a collection of ads. So I don't want this. Get rid of it. If I want to collect something, I'll do it on my own. I'll go over to Pinterest. Tell me what kind of ketchup-y jacket will go with my mustardy shirt. How about that? Amen. We'll just leave it at that. I had other things to say that it's not that good. Let's move on. More from Google. This is something I like. They are simplifying portfolio bid strategies starting in July. Uh, something that's going away. Enhanced CPC portfolio strategies. I'm happy to say goodbye to that. Because if you want to use it right now, you have to set up a portfolio strategy. Okay. I need to go back on that. Yeah. And the collections is maddening because I always forget <laughs> that I use the search app. And so I just typed it in and I'm like, oh, I want this recipe. I'm going to make this or I'm going to buy this. And then I try to go back to the collections and I just can't get there on Chrome. So what I have to do is I have to go and type a search for something that I don't want just to start 
being in the Google search app. And so then now I'm in the app and then now I can go back and find the collections after I went to the bookmarks and I couldn't find it. That's horrible how that works. So I know this is a better thing, no, but, but it's just ridiculous. So I don't care about collections. Good. Nobody should. Unless they're giving advertisers <laughs> the data. No, it's good to be heated. I guess the only thing is it would be nice if, because it is Google shopping is ads. If you could see that people, if you could see the data for how many people maybe saved something to their collection, that would be nice. I don't know if that's Here's the, case. the thing. They should have that data. And then the data of the people that could never access their collections ever again, because it's too confusing. There's at least one of those people right here. I'm looking at them. Yes. <laughs> Steam coming out of his eyes. <laughs> well, let's talk about these portfolio bid strategies maybe and just chill out a bit because this isn't that exciting, but it's just getting rid of stupid stuff. So I like ECPC as a bidding strategy. I really do feel like we use it a lot around here, but you're forced to set it up at least right now as a portfolio bidding strategy and then apply it to your campaign. So I always just cheat and go to manual CPC and do the checkbox for enhanced. So now that that is going away as a portfolio bidding strategy, this will be much easier to do at the campaign level. We can all live like normal human beings again. So that's good. They're also taking away target spend as a setting for maximized clicks. If you use that strategy at all, and you'll be able to just use your daily budgets. So again, just common sense. Hey, PSA, if you're using maximized clicks, don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Perfect. That all makes sense. And if you are running shopping campaigns in the Google ads, because this is just all about Google today, you can now look at the landing page performance for those campaigns in the Google's words, not mine, landing pages page inside Google ads. (laughs) Get excited. Anyway, more data is better than less data. Speaking of data, Marketers are spending 43% of their digital ad budgets on Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and they want, quote, alternatives. Newsflash, there are alternatives. (laughs) (laughs) Does that include YouTube? Um, No. Somebody actually listed that in the article. They they called out some folks that were looking for alternatives, and they mentioned YouTube, which is a Google product. They mentioned Instagram, which is a Facebook product. So I Get rid of this. Get rid of this. Get rid of it. Oh, actually, the main thing is, how does Twitter not have a usable ad platform yet? It's 2019. Get your stuff together. You're a publicly traded company and you can't string together an ad platform that can serve in a certain location. No, Greg. And you know what? Last year you said, how does Twitter not have a better ad platform? It's, it's 2018. Yeah. So okay. you've been saying this for years and they're not keeping up. So Twitter, people want more alternatives. Go you know, make yourself one. You know, we should do just put in an evergreen show in case somebody misses one week and we'll just lay down one article right now. How does Twitter not have a good ad platform? It's 2020. All right. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Finally, Google promises to play nice with ad blockers. Again, this is from ZDNet.com. Apparently, a lot of folks were concerned that the new Chrome extensions API was going to, quote, cripple ad blockers. And Google's saying that's not the case. I'm not even going to touch this because I am hashtag team paid and this is the paid section of the lightning round. So ad blockers are the enemy and anyone that is complaining (laughs) likely doesn't care about what I have to say. So over to you, Greg, what's going on in organic? All right. This week in organic, the first article comes from Dr. Pete over at Moz and the name of the article is did Google site diversity update live up to its promise? Short answer. No, it didn't. (laughs) And if you recall, Google is going to try to make more diverse results in the search engine results pages. Dr. Pete took a look at the 
improvement of that change. And it's about 2.1% improvement. So that 2.1 improvement is on sites, on the search engine results pages that have at least 80% diversity. And again, that's what Google talked about having no more than two results show up within the search engine results pages from one specific domain name. Mm -hmm. Again, not that much of an improvement yet. And I haven't seen it anecdotally. I just did a search for something in real life here for something I was looking for. And I got TripAdvisor for the top three. So next up, the share of U.S. adults using social media, including Facebook, is mostly unchanged since 2018. This comes from Pew Research. It's got a lot of the usual information showing that the top social sites of usage in general, adults, is Facebook with 69% of adults, YouTube, 73%. The biggest takeaway for me was the fact that people in the 18 to 24 range are active on Snapchat and Instagram at a much higher clip. But the biggest thing to me is that people in not only the 18 to 24 range, but also 25 to 29 range, and all the way up to the 30 to 49 range, 90% of people use YouTube, which is really skewing that. There's a huge drop-off when it comes to those 65-plus on YouTube, obviously, but it is very saturated for anybody under the age of 49. You know what's wild to me just looking at this chart? Colors? (laughs) No, the color (laughs) scale is actually very boring. Um, 3%? Of 65 plus adults are using Snapchat? What? I don't know. That seems, I mean, obviously who cares in the grand scheme of things, but that, that seems very high. <laughs> I'm surprised 65 plus 3% of them are using any one social media network and Snapchat's the one. Yeah. I, yeah. That's very surprising. It is. It's kind of wild. What's I bet more they like surprising, to play with the filters. 3% of 65 year olds using Snapchat or 7% of 65 year olds using Twitter. I don't know. I feel like Twitter, it's like reading the newspaper. (laughs) There's not as many pictures. I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Back in my day, we only had 12 characters. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Next up, meet TikTok. How the Washington Post, NBC News, and the Dallas Morning News are using the of the moment platform. And our resident TikTok expert, Hope, aka our resident fashion expert, is here. (laughs) And... Hope, should newspapers be using TikTok to engage with their fans? Okay. First, I want to say <laughs> that I am a diehard Vine fan. We know. We yes. Know. <laughs> Vine is the original best social media app. So when Vine died, I was, it was the saddest day of my life. But then TikTok came up and I hated it at first, but you kind of have to dig to get the funny stuff. And now it's kind of turning into Vine, which I really, really like. But I feel that with anything trendy, I feel like there's always people who shouldn't be doing trendy things. <laughs> I, have, I have mixed emotions. <laughs> I, I looked at the examples on the article. The NBC News one, I mean, that was pretty good. They have a Snapchat show. I mean, they do a good job. But the, what were the other ones? Washington Post, the Dallas Morning News, they should not have a TikTok. It was not, <laughs> it was not funny at all. They tried so hard. It's not working for them. But the Washington Post was actually pretty funny. And the comments that they clapped back on were actually pretty clever. 
I think the less serious that you take TikTok is the better. All right. So if the Dallas Morning News were to throw cheese at a baby, would you be in? That's comedy gold. (laughs) I know that's your favorite TikTok moment ever. All right. You're a news organization. Go make some news. Like, I don't really care about how much fun you're having in the office. I just want the news. But what if 3% of their 65-plus customer base or reader base is on TikTok? Then we need to serve them. It's not even measurable right now. It's 0%. (laughs) No, I... TikTok's not free. The NBC News show was actually really good. The Dallas example is so cringy mm. and you're just trying too hard. Get off of TikTok. Get off. <laughs> Get off. Get rid of it. Okay. So another thing we are saying bye to is the preferred domain setting. And Google came out with the article called Bye Bye Preferred Domain Setting. What? Hold on. <laughs> That's... That's something we would say. I can't believe that that's how they're just like, you know what? We're going to announce something to the world. Bye-bye. Yeah, I looked. I had to look quick and make sure it wasn't, you know, coming on onto May here and it wasn't some in sync oh. joke. I thought it was going to be bye-bye-bye preferred domain setting. But yeah, bye-bye preferred domain setting. That's cute, but like I don't, I don't need cute. It's, I need information. It's too direct. Yes. Too direct? It's too casual. Too casual. Yeah. I mean, it's direct certainly, but yeah. it's kind of rude. We liked that setting. Yes. So in Search Console, you can no longer choose a preferred domain between your www and non-www sites. Google will figure that out for you. They say, to make things easier when our systems recognize that, we'll pick one URL as the canonical for your search. They also recommend that you use canonical link tags on HTML pages, redirect retired URLs, use a sitemap, and use rel canonical in the header. All right. Next up on Google Search News... It's just the Google show today <laughs> is a tweet stream from Alex Hearn and Alex Hearn is from the guardian and he had a tweet out there that said, I say this is a journalist. It's increasingly infuriating how literally any Google search about a topical issue will exclusively give you news stories. And then Alex shared a m- image of him trying to find the Libra white paper and all the results were news. And so his point was, it's annoying when I'm trying to find Libra, white paper, that's the exact search, and I get news. I don't want the news, I want the Libra white paper, what I search for. Fair enough. The most relevant result for the query. One would think. And so Danny Sullivan of Google, using his at Danny Sullivan Twitter handle, responded, that's something that was announced today, not being critical, just looking for more feedback to pass on. What would you have expected other than a lot of news articles about something that's brand new? Alex Hearn responded, the literal Libra white paper. <laughs> and to me, this is a good example of saying just because you have a brand new domain and just because something should rank doesn't mean it's going to and have some plans. We've had clients that have launched all new domains thinking with this grand plan that everything's going to work. Even Facebook's cryptocurrency prod- product with a page about a white paper with a title tag saying the Libra white paper doesn't necessarily rank first. It still doesn't rank first today. It's fourth or, you know, from a traditional standpoint and tons of news above it. So hashtag paid problems, but hashtag exactish match has made its way into organic. Hashtag can you even run ads for cryptocurrency on Google ads? Hashtag literally depends on the day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now you can run for some ads. But there was a cryptocurrency ban. So you might have not even been able to 
advertise your Libra white paper. <laughs> if the Colibras <laughs> advertise it. All right. Next up is new Google user interface updates, refined layers, mini carousels, shopping toggle, mortgage calculator, and more from Barry Schwartz over at searchengineroundtable.com. And he has identified a slew of new looks for Google, a new toggle box for products. Remember, products are a paid inclusion feature only, so you have to be a shopping ad, or a toggle box where you can see via comparison sites this is also paid inclusion to see this. And you can see those examples over on Search Engine Roundtable or in our show notes. Additionally, so there are mini carousels that show other brands. This example that was in the article was from somebody looking for Allstate. And the search engine result was a horrific look at other properties that Allstate owned. Not necessarily Allstate. Like, hey, I'm looking for Allstate, not this other stuff. I don't care what else you own. I'm looking for you. Give me Allstate. Uh, some more tabs in the local pack in a new mortgage calculator, which is still a terrible tool. Hmm. Instead of the sliders that you used to have, it's now more manual input. But this is an example of Google, give us better results. And I know I seem just too down and out on this today. Well. You're doing a disservice by thinking you made a good mortgage tool that is just baked into the search. It is terrible, and it is misleading, and it is doing way more harm than good. You can't put in something like taxes for a mortgage. You can't put in something like insurance. You can put in whatever information, and there's no PMI that's added on. It is a terrible product, and it looks different now, but it's an example of sometimes the results are better to Alex's point, give me the results. I don't need the news. I don't need all this other fancy stuff. I just want the best possible stuff out there. And for mortgage calculators, what Google is doing is shameful. Shameful. I mean, this, your money, your life. Yeah, get rid of that. Because <laughs> you know what? If you're if you are actually budgeting or planning around anything with this calculator that doesn't include PMI for people or taxes or insurance. You are, that is a bad result. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. All right. Plowing out of here. <laughs> Let's go on to something a little more positive. All right. So the AMP plugin version 1.2 release is here. And if you are using AMP for WordPress, you can now update the plugin and you can get very cool Gutenberg-based AMP stories editor. So easy to edit stories now in the new Gutenberg style of WordPress editing. Okay, so let's keep the good things rolling here. And speaking of good things, Canada seems like they've got all the great stuff nowadays. All the maple <laughs> syrup, the loonies, the toonies, the NBA championships. <laughs> and now they get to hide replies on Twitter. Aww. Twitter's now testing its hide replies option among users in Canada. And what the test is showing is if somebody responds to a tweet, you'll be able to hide that, not only for you, but potentially for others, which is cool. So if somebody's being a troll or just a mean person, you can hide those. Get out of here. I don't want everybody else to see that. So I like yeah. that. It's going to help people weed out a lot of the conversation and anything that's bad vibes, man. Well, we are missing that feature here in the U.S., there's also something else that everyone may be missing. Jess, are you sitting down? I am. I know I can I'd see you. <laughs> Should I stand up though? Is this going to make prepared? me faint? Better question. I'm never prepared. I have no idea. Okay, what you're perfect. Say. <laughs> because Google Search Console is missing image search traffic between June 5th and 7th. What is going on? 
Fritz. What's going on the Fritz? Yes. So if you are really big on image search data, you're going to have to rely on your Google Analytics data for image search. Oh, wait. (laughs) They said they were going to do that, and they never gave it to us. So you're just out of luck. All right. Also, if you loved company overviews and biographies on Facebook, you're also out of luck because (laughs) Facebook is removing the company overview and biography fields. They're recommending that you put it in the description. So if there's something important there, throw it into the description. And lastly here in our news stories is a description of a new service from Shopify, a fulfillment network. Hmm. And this is likely going to be similar to Amazon, where Shopify is actually fulfilling orders for small and medium-sized businesses. Focus on what you're making and your marketing and Shopify can handle the rest. That's lovely. That's a very nice service. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work. Good, bad, or otherwise this week. Jess, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So you probably remember last week when I was all excited about the campaign level conversion actions in Google Ads, right? Yep. So that is still very exciting, and I was going through and applying it to all of my campaigns. I saw. You've been busy. I've been very busy. I had a lot of campaigns, <laughs> but I thought it'd be good to have, you know, implement something new and see what happens. But I discovered something that I don't believe Google mentioned, and if they did, I missed it. These campaign-level conversion actions are not compatible with any pay-for-conversion campaigns. Oh, great. Yeah. So the the one campaign where you're literally paying for conversions, you can't control which conversions they are. So that's something. Um, yeah, that's, a big, that's a big problem too, as <laughs> yeah. we're going to get to in a minute here. Yeah, it definitely, yes, things could go off the rails. So hopefully it's coming again. It's still coming for video. So maybe it'll come for these. I don't know. As of right now, you just get a warning. You can't set it. So I would say that that's hardly working and uh, yeah, it stinks. How about you? Well, I've got something else within Google ads specifically. We have a client where, and just a little backstory, as you may know, Google changed their conversion definition within Google ads back when it's still Google AdWords. And they made it so you could have a conversion or an all conversion. Mm -hmm. And an all conversion, you can put in conversions that don't count towards conversions, but they show up as something called all conversions. But when you're doing any kind of smart bidding, they're not recognized. Did that make sense? Totally. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make sense why they called it that, but explanation made sense. We have a problem with naming, as you can't tell. (laughs) Um, So... What the issue that you typically can see is we set up these reports to be able to view conversions and we don't really look at all conversions. And if you have something like a store visit, let's say, many times you're not actually trying to drive traffic towards that. You might be trying to sell a product or a ticket or some sort of entry or something like that. Well, in view through conversions, which is when an ad is seen but not clicked, but a conversion happens... I didn't know that the view-through conversions were pulling in everything, all the conversions and even store visits. So I was looking at something saying, I've got our conversions and our view-through conversions. And I realized that's inaccurate. It should be view-through all conversions and it's not something you can change. Did that make sense? You know what I'm talking about. I do. Did that make sense? Yes. And that's why it's important to segment 
any reporting that you're looking at by conversion type because you wouldn't know that. And they do not make that clear. And their naming convention is muddy, Correct. but even there, they're calling them conversions. So you would think they'd be conversions. Correct. And there is yeah. no view through all conversions. Right. It just so, is. For the record, if you're reporting a view through conversions, and if it's something that is important to you, you need to vet those because it's likely that they're not the actual conversions that you're optimizing for with your smart bidding. Google, All right. Man. Google. Okay. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH has been this podcast, Jess. <laughs> no, just joking. <laughs> this week's WTH comes from David Coingsburg at Coingsburg David on Twitter. And he put out a tweet that said, Google says they will not honor a daily budget for target CPA campaigns. We just spent $225,000 in one day, and I had a $500 day budget. So, according to David, Google spent an extreme percentage higher than what he had put in on a daily budget. I'll say. And this tweet thread caused so much confusion and chaos, it is incredible. And I would just like to say before anybody actually goes through and looks at this, this is not how you report a problem. There is so <laughs> little data that was given by David. Then there were tweets that were once existing and now I can't find. It mm. seems like they've been removed. And then much of the items aren't very specific. So to recap, David had a $500 a day budget. He ended up spending what was reported to be $225,000. It turns out he's only billed for $16,000. And he was using a pay-for-conversion method. He was paying $800 for people that he thought were six-plus minutes on the site. So I followed up before that tweet was deleted saying, that seems inaccurate because many times people get the, the minute thing wrong. They think they're doing minutes and it's actually seconds. That would make a lot more sense. Mm. After it was put up, he removed the other tweet. Um, so I don't know about how relevant that is, but having an $800 conversion isn't going to be a problem, as, as people would imagine. You're sure. only supposed to have $200 PFC That's what conversion costs, but you can do more. I do more. We've done more. I don't yeah. know if you know that or not, but I've got some higher. Oh, yeah. But it yells at you in the interface. It tells you to lower it. But yeah. So anyway, somebody changed the conversion. And then instead of sales, which an $800 sale would make sense, $800 for six seconds doesn't make sense. Um, so then Amy, PPC, Amy Middleton Hebden had responded that they can spend your entire monthly budget in a day if you're using Target CPA. But they can't spend more than your monthly budget in a month. And your monthly budget, in this case, would be about $16,000, so it would make sense. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing that, that is not actually accurate, what Amy had said. It's kind of sort of correct. You can spend more, but you're only supposed to spend 2x more. So according to Google's pay-for-conversion page, they say pay-for-conversions uses more flexible budgeting rules because the number of conversions in a given day varies more than the number of clicks. As a result, if you pay for your conversions, your daily spend may exceed your daily budget by more than two times. This gives smart bidding room to optimize better across your campaigns. The initial monthly budget of pay for conversions campaign is based on the daily budget for that campaign. All we saw here was one ad group. We didn't see the full picture. No. But this is a great reminder that if you do really risky things in any account, 
you can get burned because Google found what I think happened is Google found the easiest way ever to make a lot of $800 and they did it on his account. Now, should they have? No, they probably shouldn't have. Is that monthly budget accurate? I don't know. I don't know the thing. He didn't show any change history. He didn't show a video. If you're trying to get help with something, show more information. But this is kind of a warning that if you're paying for something, especially paying for conversions, you can get a lot of them. You can get them fast. And if you have anything that doesn't have a restrictor on it, you can get a lot of them fast, even clicks. Jess, you and I have seen that before. So many times. And now that's why we talked about a few weeks ago in our hardly working, working hard, or whatever <laughs> we call it segment, we <laughs> talked about a daily budget script that can shut that off if there's a crazy anomaly that we can then turn back on. Yeah. And this is why I would like to have campaign level conversion actions in my pay for conversions campaigns. Exactly. Because you could control for something like this. You could at least get in, again, the volume is, is another issue, but you could at least be getting the conversions you wanted not a site visit, you know, an engagement goal. You would never set that. You would have that control. Yes. Okay. And that brings us to this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And this week we've got a WordPress plugin that tracks PDF views in Google Analytics. Huh? Yeah. You heard me right. <laughs> if you have a PDF file on your site and you want to be able to track page views of that PDF, you no longer have to rely on tricky workarounds that we've all probably been using like link click events or button clicks or things like that. You can or a log file analysis. Or that too. But now you can just track it in GA like you would any other traffic and you can see the source to it as well. It's really, really great. And the name of the plugin is, wait for it, PDF Analytics. Wow. <laughs> Crafty. I know. Aptly named. Aptly named. And it's totally free. So a big thanks to Carl Hendy of carlhendy.com for creating this and unleashing it upon the masses. If you want to track PDF analytics, just go to carlhendy.com slash PDF hyphen analytics. Great. And that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week. An article so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's article comes from... SEM Rush, aka Sam Rush. And it's from <laughs> Julia Olakanova, aka at old underscore Julia, old Julia on Twitter. <laughs> Go old Julia. And the name of the article is called PPC Tools 39 Solutions for Paid Advertising Pros plus a bonus. I love a bonus. I did the math. It's like 40 tools. OMG. <laughs> Good round number. And Julie runs through a variety of audit tools, keyword research tools, split testing, ad creation, account management and bidding automation, conversion tracking, call tracking, landing page builders, fraud and brand protection tools, and tools for shopping campaigns. If you are a PPC pro, you kind of have to be at this point because nobody else is listening after the show that we just put on today and all the technical PPC talk that went, that went on. You would love this article. So head on over to SDM Rush, a.k.a. Sam Rush, or shoot over to our show notes and click on through. Thank you for that, Julia. All right. And that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. 
If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week is a new game. Ooh. Soon to be everybody's favorite segment called <laughs> Jess with Sports. Oh, good. I love sports. All right. And in case people don't know, Jess has been 100% on the bandwagon since the Toronto Raptors won the title. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, we are located in Buffalo, a mere two hours away from Toronto. And Jess is now the world's biggest Raptor fan. They're but pretty much the home team. They're our closest team. Today, she is going to give some definitions Ooh. to some basketball topics, <laughs> seeing that she's now the number one Raptors fan. So Jess, what is a dime? A dime? A dime. <laughs> In sports lingo? Ba- this is all basketball. It's all related. basketball. Well, basketball it's... themed Jess with sports today. All right. It's not, I had to work through this. It's not like a 10-point shot, because that's not a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> As I told you, number one fan. I'm going to go, it's a 10-point lead. That's a good guess, but it is incorrect. Oh. It is an assist. So if you're dropping dimes, you're passing off a lot of assists. Okay, so it's, yeah, then someone picks it up and now they have money. Yeah. Don't ask me. Bucket. Just, okay. What is an and one? Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about the clothing brand either. The, what is an and one? An and one, I, I don't know, so I'm going to guess. An and one is when you, it's like a, like when you fake somebody out, you're like, and one, and you pass the ball the other way. Okay, those are the easy ones. <laughs> you got both of them horribly wrong. What is an and one? When you shoot. Get fouled, the basket goes in, and you get one free throw. And one. Oh, that makes good sense. Okay, next off. Clean the glass. What does clean the glass mean? Clean the glass is when you go to dunk a ball and it touches the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, cleaning the glass is getting the rebound. You're cleaning the ball off the glass, you're cleaning the ball off the board. You're the board man. Board man. Board man gets paid. Okay, next up. You're 0 for 3. What is it to posterize somebody? <laughs> to posterize? Posterize. Put them on a poster. What does that mean? You whack them in the face with an open palm. That's oh, when you dunk all over them. How do you dunk all over someone? You have to look. If you dunk over the top of somebody uh... and it's good enough to be placed on a poster, it's called posterizing. Oh, okay. Like a real poster. Okay. Put them on skates. What does that mean? They fell. Yes, it does. Really? You're dribbling so much, usually with a crossover, that somebody goes one way or the other. It's also known as like breaking their ankles. Oh, <laughs> but not, not really. literally. But you put them on yeah. skates and they fall over. It's really funny. <laughs> it's, you know, what's really funny is that raptor on skates, right? Yes. That little gif. He put himself on skates. It's amazing. All right. It's my favorite thing. Not I, did, bad. I, did I win the championship? Secured your spot as a raptor's number one fan. <laughs> that was Sports with Jess. We'll see you next week.